1: No shot, no service. This is the first time anything like this has ever been tried. Uh, There may be bumps along the way. All the things that
2: will soon need a vaccine passport. Industry reacts
1: to the new rules. We're very supportive that a measure like this needs to take place.
2: And the impact on places of worship. Also, an explosive lawsuit pits the public insurer against the public utility and the city of Vancouver. Why ICBC is suing both over this blast. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. So, if you want to see the Canucks live, eat out at a restaurant, or work out at a gym, you'll soon need proof of your COVID vaccination status. The BC vaccination card is launching soon. And as Richard Zussman reports, the requirement is one more incentive for people to get the shot. For months, the province
3: used the carrot approach, encouraging people to get vaccinated on Monday, the stick.
1: We are announcing the initiation of what we're calling the B.C. vaccine card.
3: Starting September 13th, the B.C. government will require people to have at least one COVID-19 vaccine to access what are being called discretionary events and by October 24th you will be required to be at least one week removed
1: from your second shot. But there is no uh, reason why those who are anxious to participate in uh, the social and economic life of our community can't take that next step and get that safe, effective vaccine. Here's where it applies. Indoor
3: ticketed sporting events, indoor concerts, indoor theatre, dance, symphony events, restaurants, both indoor and patio dining, nightclubs, casinos, movie theatres, fitness centres, gyms, excluding youth sport, businesses offering indoor high-intensity group exercise, indoor weddings, Parties,
1: conferences, meetings, choirs, and senior classes all included as well. British Columbians need to know that this is the first time anything like this has ever been tried. Uh, there may be bumps along the way. Proof will mainly be through online verification,
3: but a hotline will soon be established for those who don't have a smartphone, although specific
4: details on this and enforcement are still being worked out. We're making it as simple as we possibly can. Mostly it'll be either by phone or by showing a- uh, a paper copy This does not apply to religious gatherings, healthcare and retail and
3: grocery also not for those under 12 who are not eligible to be vaccinated yet. But there are no exemptions for those who medically can't take the vaccine or for those who won't take it due to religious reasons.
4: This is a temporary measure that's getting us through a risky period where we know that people who are unvaccinated are at greater risk of both contracting and spreading this virus.
3: If someone is traveling from outside the province or even outside the country and they want to eat at a restaurant, for example, they too will
4: need to prove they've been immunized against COVID-19. In terms of people coming from out of province, we will have the ability for them to show their proof of a vaccine and it will be compatible with uh, uh, Quebec and with other provinces.
3: The province describing this as a temporary measure to be reassessed in January. The hope is it will drive enough people to get vaccinated, meaning we'll know if this particular stick works when it's no
2: longer needed. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria. And from tourism to restaurant and retail, many say the vaccination card can't come soon enough. It's one more way to reassure customers that it's safe to go out and spend. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, there is concern about making frontline employees enforce
0: the new rules. Despite the pandemic, Gastown is busy with tourists In short order, everyone who is on the patio or here for a meeting or planning to attend an event will need to prove they have been vaccinated. The tourism industry
1: welcoming the news. We're very supportive that a measure like this needs to take place, if only to protect businesses, to protect employees, to protect guests, and to encourage people to get vaccinated.
0: There are some obvious concerns. Asking frontline staff to enforce the new order and ask for everyone's vaccine cards at the front door, could be an issue, especially when an unruly customer pops up. Business leaders are also waiting for details of this plan. There are still any number of businesses not covered, the retail sector, for example, and owners are wondering if they will continue to operate in a bit of a grey zone. Some already asking customers to continue to wear masks, More than a few might also ask for proof of vaccination. What is
5: it that employers and employees are going to be expected to do? Uh, What exactly is going to be supported by the provincial government?
0: The majority of people in B.C. are vaccinated. But conflicts are seemingly inevitable. Health officials trying to structure the cards to minimize conflicts.
4: As it is a provincial health officer order, we do have the ability to support businesses with uh, bylaw officers, with environmental health officers.
0: Bars and nightclubs, along with ticketed events, should be easier to manage than some other sectors covered under this order. Sports teams are still waiting for more details on what the vaccine card actually looks like before committing to how they can incorporate it into their admission policy. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And the University of British Columbia is saying students living on
2: campus will have to prove their vaccine status as well. The university will start applying the requirement for student housing starting September 7th, the first full day of classes, and says it will be flexible for students arriving from outside the province. Students will also have to prove their vaccine status to play intramural sports, use the fitness center, or watch a school hockey game. Checking the COVID-19 numbers now, and the province is reporting a big spike in ICU admissions. We have 1,711 new cases since Friday afternoon. Sadly, we have confirmed 16 additional deaths. However, because of a reporting error, not all of those deaths occurred over the weekend. Some of them date back to August 1st. 133 people are in hospital. That's a jump of 4, and 80 patients are in the ICU, an increase of 21. There are more than 5,000 active cases in BC, although that's dropped a little recently. And 74.9% of eligible British Columbians, 12 and over, are now fully vaccinated. Meanwhile, we're getting some new data on who is getting sick and who's being hospitalized in this province. Keith Baldry joins us now for more on Mm -hmm. that. And Keith, the unvaccinated are still overwhelmingly the majority of new infections.
6: Yes, indeed. In fact, one of the most common questions I get is on the daily case numbers, how many are vaccinated? How many are unvaccinated? The Center for Disease Control is now providing a weekly update at the cases through the week to determine where the immunization people fall. Take a look at this for a week, August 10th to 17th, uh, more than 3,700 cases. And you can see here 71% of those cases are in unvaccinated people, 16%. uh, And that's an actual increase since July. 16 was one dose and and 13% in fully immunized people. Numbers like this, according to Health Minister Adrian Dix, should be reason enough why you should get vaccinated if you haven't been already, because, again, the overwhelming numbers of people getting sick from COVID-19 are unvaccinated. Here's Health Minister Adrian Dix. In mid-August, the case rate amongst unvaccinated people was 10 times higher. 10 times higher than the case rate in fully vaccinated people. Only 8% of the cases in hospital are amongst fully vaccinated people. What it says is there is a profound need for your health to be vaccinated. And that in the time of the Delta variant, being unvaccinated puts you, your family, and your community at risk. Now, getting COVID-19 is one thing. Getting into hospital because of that is much more serious. And the evidence here of the numbers is even more stark a case of why you should get vaccinated. Take a look at the hospital numbers, a little more than 100 over the same time frame. Again, 84% of the cases are in unvaccinated people. Uh, Just 5%, even lower than fully vaccinated. 5% partially vaccinated and just uh, 11% in terms of of fully vaccinated people. That's up a bit from July. But again, 84% of the cases of the most serious cases in BC in that time frame is an unvaccinated people. The case has been made here on both fronts why you should get vaccinated and hopefully the combination of the passport requirement and numbers like today which are going to be updated weekly reason enough to get that vaccination rate up. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the data doesn't lie. All right, a big announcement today about the BC vaccine card, Keith. That's one big announcement. We're still expecting another big announcement about the upcoming school year. What should we expect? Uh,
6: yeah, a lot of parents and teachers very interested in tomorrow's announcement, 9.30, from Education Minister Jennifer Whiteside, Advanced Education Minister Anna Kang, and Dr. Bonnie Henry about what to expect, K-12 and post-secondary. I don't think there's going to be a lot different than what was planned and released back in June in terms of starting schools safely, with an emphasis on and sanitation and ventilation. One change, I'm told, though, we're going to go back to the mandatory mask requirement on both the K-12 system and the post-secondary education system. That's going to make, I think, a lot of parents, students and teachers quite happy to see that.
2: All right. Full coverage here on Global tomorrow, starting yeah. in the morning. Thanks, Keith. All right. Now, big development in the case of a Kelowna RCMP officer seen on surveillance camera dragging a woman down a hallway in what was supposed to have been a wellness check. That officer is now facing criminal charges. Catherine Urquhart spoke to the young woman who was the victim of the alleged assault, and a warning, some of these images are disturbing.
7: Surveillance video captured the disturbing scene in January of 2020. Nursing student Mona Wang was handcuffed and dragged face down across her apartment lobby. Her head was stepped on, and then she was yanked up by her hair. Now, Kelowna RCMP Constable Lacey Browning has been charged with assault. I'm very grateful that something has been done and she has been charged. The alleged assault happened when Constable Browning was supposed to be doing a wellness check on Wang, who was suffering a mental breakdown. The 21-year-old, who will soon be graduating with a nursing degree, says her case is important, as many others have also suffered police brutality. I think there definitely needs to be more done in terms of a systematic change, whether that's um, more services provided to those in need or allocating um, a healthcare professional to accompany police when going to these wellness checks. Wang recently settled a civil suit with the Mounties. Details were not disclosed. She's now looking forward to helping others. I definitely believe that this situation has um, further interested me in the career of mental health nursing, and that's where I aim to go so that I can advocate for others. As for Constable Browning, the RCMP says she remains on administrative duties, and her duty status is subject to continual assessment. Browning is due to make her first court appearance September 14th in Kelowna Provincial Court. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
2: Global News has learned the man known as the Abbotsford Killer has died. Terry Driver, a husband and father, terrorized the Fraser Valley in the mid-1990s. He was convicted of murdering 16-year-old Tanya Smith and the attempted murder of her friend Misty Cockrell using a baseball bat. He taunted police with phone calls that were eventually released to the public. A member of his family recognized his voice and turned him in. Driver was serving a life sentence with no parole for at least 25 years. His application for parole this past May was denied as he was deemed a high risk to reoffend. Driver was 56. His death is believed to be from natural causes. The BC hockey community and beyond continues to mourn the shocking loss of three teenage boys in a single vehicle crash. Police are still saying very little about their investigation into that crash. But as Grace Key reports, others continue to speak out about the tragedy that took the three promising young athletes.
5: A growing memorial pays tribute to three young teens who tragically lost their lives in a single car collision in Surrey. 17-year-old Parker Magnuson, Ronan Sharma, and Caleb Reimer, both 16 years old, all being mourned by friends, family, and those in the hockey community.
8: I just want them to remember... Um, how good of guys they were and um, how selfless they were and um, they were all just such good people and they're going to be missed by everybody.
5: All three were traveling in a Ford Focus when the car crashed into a tree at about 2.45 Saturday morning near 104 Avenue and Fraser Glen Drive in the Fraser Heights neighborhood. All three died at the scene. The cause of the collision is still under investigation.
9: They have gathered a lot of data, taken measurements, uh, gathered forensic information, as well as they will try to access the vehicle's computer to get as much information as they can on what led to uh, these three fatalities in this collision.
5: With so many impacted by the tragic loss, Surrey RCMP held a community outreach session Monday afternoon at the Fraser Heights Recreation Center. Victim support surveillance Services, school resource officers, and members of the traffic unit were on hand.
2: Neighbors finds Reimer alone in front, shoots and scores! Caleb Reimer, his first Western Hockey League goal.
5: Caleb Reimer was a first-round pick with the WHL Edmonton Oil Kings. Ronan Sharma played with the Langley Rivermen. All three were with the Delta Hockey Academy. At Planet Ice, the official home of the academy, the Delta School District also offered support and counseling services.
8: They were always just trying to help other people and... Like, they just didn't care about themselves. They just cared about everybody else around them. They're great guys, and there's a special place in heaven for them. Grace
5: Key, Global News.
2: Surrey RCMP are asking for the public's help finding a 14-year-old girl. Emily Gallup giles was last seen August 20th in the 6100 block of Morgan Drive. She's been out of contact with her caregivers in the past, But they are concerned, given the amount of time she's been missing this time. She's described as Caucasian, 5 feet 8 inches tall, 185 pounds, with shoulder-length, purple-red colored hair. She was last seen wearing a yellow SpongeBob SquarePants hoodie and gray pants with a cartoon character print. Anyone with information about her should call Surrey RCMP. Vancouver police are investigating the graffiti attack on the Komagata Maru memorial as a possible hate crime. On Sunday morning, the memorial was found covered in splashes of white paint and handprints. Before the graffiti was cleaned up, Vancouver police investigators were on scene gathering what evidence they could
10: to help find whoever defaced the memorial. Nobody has been arrested and no suspects have been identified. We're continuing to gather evidence to solve the crime. Uh, Obviously, this is a very uh, concerning uh, uh, incident that has occurred. It's an investigative priority for us and we're committed to finding out who did this, who's responsible. Um, We're committed to continuing to collect evidence and to hold the person responsible um, uh, accountable for it.
2: Anyone with information about the crime is asked to contact Vancouver Police. It was a very emotional day for many people who own properties in the Killiney Beach and Ewing's Landing areas of West Side Road, the area ravaged by wildfires. The Central Okanagan Regional District took residents on an hour-long tour of the devastation caused by the White Rock Lake fire. Travis Lowe has more.
11: It's heartbreaking knowing that the community members are going back in and they're seeing their lost homes.
12: Monday morning and the regional district of the Central Okanagan is taking residents affected by the White Rock Lake fire on an hour-long escorted tour of the fire-ravaged Killany Beach and Ewing's Landing area of West Side Road.
9: We're taking limited groups, um, small neighborhoods on a tour of the of the area so that they can see uh, what the site looks like.
12: For many people, the short tour is the first time that they'll be able to see in person the extent of the damage done to their homes after the fire burned through their neighborhoods just over a week ago. It's an emotionally charged atmosphere here at the La Casa Resort in the parking lot where people are lining up to get on the buses to take the tour of the devastation that the White Rock Lake fire has caused. Emotions range from anger to quiet resignation and not surprisingly no one I spoke with wanted to talk about their experience on camera.
1: We're really sorry for what you're going through
13: right now.
12: Victim services was on hand to provide residents with emotional support and to connect those people who've lost everything to the fire with wraparound support services in the community. You can't see much until you get down
11: the hill uh, below Valley of the Sun.
12: RDCO Fire Services Manager Ross Kotcharovsky led the tours.
11: There's a lot of burned out areas, uh, a lot of trees that are down, and then as you move more into the Estamont area, um, that's when you start to see the loss, um, the, the properties Um, as well as the the vegetation. Uh, There's not a lot of trees left. Everything's burned right down to the soil.
12: According to Kaczorowski, it's also an extremely emotional day for local firefighters.
11: They are members of this community. It's a very small community, and they battled so hard to save homes that they weren't able to save.
12: On Tuesday, the RDCO will take the media on the same tour. Travis Lowe,
2: Global News. Near Fintry. It's a blast that was heard around the block, and now it's a bombshell lawsuit. When this manhole cover blew near the Granville Bridge, it damaged nearby vehicles and uncovered a number of mistakes. Why ICBC is suing the city and BC Hydro. Next. A Vancouver artist takes his moonshot how he feels about the possibility of going into orbit later on the news hour. And a hiccup in the CFL season after the BC Lions home opener. The COVID scare that changes the schedule coming up later in sports. Right now, though, ICBC has launched a lawsuit against the City of Vancouver and BC Hydro to recover damages caused by an explosion in an underground utility vault back in January. Romina Dea has the details.
14: The explosion, so powerful large chunks of cement went flying through the air. Several vehicles damaged in the blast under the Granville Street Bridge in January, but remarkably not a scratch on anyone. I'm
9: very grateful that my life life is preserved.
14: ICBC now suing the city of Vancouver and BC Hydro in a civil suit launched last month. The insurer looking to recoup costs To cover the damage done to several vehicles. According to court documents, ICBC is seeking just over $29,000 in damages plus fees. The insurance agency says a manhole cover was mistakenly paved over by the city, leading to a buildup of gases in an underground utility vault owned by BC Hydro. ICBC says electrical wires may have been faulty or conductors not maintained resulting in an electrical arc causing the explosion. BC Hydro plans to dispute the allegations. A spokesperson telling Global News the explosion was the result of a cable damaged during excavation by a third party. Hydro says it was not reported. A somewhat bizarre response from the city of Vancouver, which says it has not been served with the lawsuit. That's why there's no response in the court file. Ramina Dea, Global News.
2: Still ahead, some controversy on the campaign trail. They're
1: importing American-style misleading politics.
2: Why the conservatives are asking for an investigation, and we'll check in on the other leaders too. Also later, what the Canucks organization says about the new requirements upcoming for a vaccine passport.
15: Slow moving southbound across the Lionsgate Bridge. Just two lanes north, one lane south, so that backup is just volume as it heads into the downtown core into Vancouver. Through Kermak Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermak Cares for Kids. and Global One, I'm Tim Mayne.
8: Unbelievable scene in New York City. Events
12: that shocked us.
13: Secret data collection.
12: Technology that changed us.
13: I think it's fake news.
15: It was fake news. A possible epidemic.
12: Disruption. 20 years of Global National. Friday,
3: September 10th at 9 on Global.
2: The federal election campaign is entering week two. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau is in the Maritimes, where he's promising funding to hire at least 7,500 more doctors and nurses across Canada if re-elected.
11: Wait lists have grown and grown, and not just because of COVID-19. We're going to eliminate the backlog that has been building for years and reduce wait times for you and your family.
2: When asked about the crisis in Afghanistan, Trudeau says he would support a UK motion to impose sanctions against the Taliban at an upcoming G7 meeting. Meanwhile, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is campaigning in Montreal
6: with a focus on climate change. You can choose Justin Trudeau, who's been increasing fossil fuel subsidies, or you can choose New Democrats, who will end once and for all fossil fuel subsidies, who will invest in a renewable future, invest in renewable energy.
2: In Ottawa, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole is pledging a requirement for large federally regulated employers to include worker representation in their boards of directors. Simply put, Canadian workers Will get a seat at the table. And following criticism from the Liberals that O'Toole called for privatizing parts of the health care system, O'Toole affirms that he fully supports public health care. New polling done exclusively for Global News shows where the opportunities lie for the leaders trying to win votes. For starters, some Canadians will be swayed. Only 45 percent of decided and leaning voters say they're absolutely certain and will not change their minds between now and Election Day. And 20% of Canadians say the party they're voting for this time around is not the same as the one they voted for in 2019. And the prospect of another minority government may be a motivating factor at the ballot box, with two in three Canadians agreeing that they hope somebody wins a majority government so we don't have to have another election for a while. Up ahead, Pfizer gets full approval. The message to Americans who've been on the fence about getting the shot. And the latest on the airlift out of Afghanistan.
15: A crash on Hastings at Hold'em in Burnaby is blocking a lot of eastbound traffic. Southbound totally blocked, westbound unaffected, northbound you're only able to turn onto eastbound it seems. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit bcaa.com. In Global One, I'm Tim May.
2: Ottawa is confirming Canadian special forces are operating outside the Kabul airport security area to get people to the airport for evacuation. The U.S. military acknowledges it's doing the same thing to safely get people out. But the Taliban has said it will resist any extension of the U.S. deadline.
9: A deadly firefight at Kabul airport today highlighting the intense danger U.S. forces face as they work to evacuate as many Americans and allies as possible. Despite an elevated terror threat targeting the evacuation efforts, President Biden saying U.S. troops may need to remain in Afghanistan beyond the end of the month to keep getting people out.
1: Our hope is we will not have to extend, but there are going to be discussions, I suspect, on how far along we are in the process.
9: But the Taliban is warning the U.S. would be crossing a red line if it kept troops in the country beyond the self-imposed deadline of
11: August 31st. That is the mission that had been signed by the commander-in-chief assigned to us, and that's what we're trying to execute.
9: The U.S. has helped evacuate roughly 37,000 people since the Taliban takeover began, more than 10,000 over the past 24 hours alone. They're being flown to two dozen countries, including Germany, where U.S. airmen helped an Afghan woman give birth in the cargo hold of this C-17 after she went into labor mid-flight. But many, many more remain in Afghanistan waiting for their turn, guarded under perilous conditions for U.S. troops waiting for their own tickets home. With President Biden's approval ratings dropping below 50 percent for the first time, the administration is hoping that a successful evacuation in the end could help redeem a chaotic withdrawal, but there are dangerous hurdles ahead. In Washington, Alice Barr, Global News.
2: In health matters tonight, as COVID-19 cases and deaths continue to skyrocket across the United States, the country has reached a new milestone in efforts to control the pandemic. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has formally approved the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, which could help lower hesitancy rates and spark some new mandates across corporate America. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest.
15: Locked in a fierce battle with a virus that won't back down, the United States has upgraded one of the weapons
1: in its arsenal. We're in the midst of a wartime effort to beat this pandemic.
15: Already used in 92 million Americans, the U.S. FDA formally approved Pfizer-BioNTech's vaccine for those 16 and older, following what it called an incredibly thorough and thoughtful evaluation that resulted in a vaccine that was 91% effective in preventing COVID-19 disease.
14: This approval for Pfizer is just a kind of a global stamp that illustrates the safety and benefit of this vaccine.
15: Doctors will now be able to prescribe the vaccine, which could benefit certain patients needing a booster, And while dosage can also be adjusted, public health experts discourage prescribing shots to kids under 12, with studies still underway. The best way to protect children right now that are not eligible for the vaccine is for the adults around them to be vaccinated. Pfizer's full approval comes as the seven-day average of new cases in the U.S. exceeds 133,000 and community transmission runs rampant.
4: We're going to likely have to put into place mandates and requirements.
15: Approval could help cascade that, bringing proof of vaccination to more hospitals, businesses and schools, along with America's military. These efforts ensure the safety of our service members and promote the readiness of our force. The vaccine hesitant may also be moved to action. Tens of millions of Americans still haven't received a first shot, with the national rate hovering at only 50 percent.
14: The vaccine still remains the most effective and reliable way to stop this madness.
15: At just four months, Pfizer's approval was the fastest in FDA history. And as vaccines work through regulatory hurdles around the world, many countries will look to the FDA, which is considered the gold standard. Health Canada, meanwhile, says Pfizer's submission for final approval is still under review. Reggie Chkini, Global News, Washington.
2: Health experts are warning the fourth wave of the pandemic could be the most aggressive yet. In some provinces, COVID-19 modeling paints an ominous picture projecting thousands of new cases a day in just a few weeks. Global News health reporter Jamie Morocker explains.
16: There's a consensus across the country the Delta variant is the fiercest foe yet in this pandemic.
15: Delta variant is very, very contagious.
16: It's already caused COVID-19 cases in British Columbia, Alberta and Ontario to surge. Toronto-based infectious disease physician Allison McGeer says if we continue on our current path, by mid-October, the province will hit almost 7,000 cases a day. As cases start to increase and
14: as we see people becoming ill... Um, will understand clearly that we need to change our behavior.
16: In Alberta, which has lifted almost all COVID restrictions, Calgary Emergency Room Dr. Joe Vipon expects cases there will hit 5,000 a day by mid-September.
1: It's not going to take that long before our health care system is overwhelmed.
16: Alberta Health Services has invoked emergency staffing provisions, so doctors and nurses could be called on to cut short their vacations and return to work.
1: Unless our politicians... Um, are willing to, to to make some hard decisions, which include mask mandates, vaccine passports. Um, I don't see, uh, it, it's inevitable that things are going to get horrific here.
16: A return to mask mandates in the B.C. interior where COVID cases were climbing has appeared to make a difference.
0: It does seem that the growth in interior health is moderated.
16: But it may be too soon to tell, especially as children, many of whom cannot be vaccinated, head back into schools.
2: There's the masks, there's the reducing the number of people in a particular class. There's the cohorting, there's the screening.
16: And then there's vaccination. Canada had hoped to see 83% of eligible people fully vaccinated by the end of August to combat the Delta-driven COVID cases. Currently, we sit at 75%. Jamie Marocker, Global News, Toronto.
2: Just ahead, a
8: Vancouver artist rising up to the challenge. I feel like a complete underdog, but... I'm like, Rocky, I'm just training for it. How he made the list of
2: finalists for a trip to the moon and back. And in sports, why the B.C. Lions are on COVID watch. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The threat of flooding remains for millions of people along parts of the eastern seaboard as Tropical Storm Henri weakens to a depression. Henri roared ashore with a storm surge and big waves on Sunday. Heavy rain left roads underwater in Connecticut and in parts of New York City. In New Jersey, dozens of people caught by flash flooding had to be rescued from rushing water. Strong winds and torrential rains also toppled trees and power lines, leaving tens of thousands of homes without power. Much more benign conditions around here. Thankful it's cooled off a little bit in parts of the province. Christy's got the forecast for us now as we start the work week. Christy.
13: Thanks, Chris. Well, we sure could use that rain, that's for sure, across the region. I mean, it, the conditions have been much better, but we still could use a little bit of rain. Uh, before we uh, get into things, I want to show you something uh, that was sent to me by Dana Foster. Uh, this is from Ashcroft. In case you were wondering where Bigfoot was, is he's in Ashcroft in the sky. Can you see him there? Great shot. The Thank clouds. you, to Dana, it, for sharing it, that with us. All right. Obvious. Yeah. It is so good. Uh, Okay, so we had cloud and showers across the region today. In the interior, some areas only warmed up to the high teens. We had lots of sunshine across coastal regions, uh, but it's that below seasonal values that we're seeing in the interior that are going to continue to be the trend over the next six days, and that's been great news for the forest fire fight. A bit of a blip on Wednesday, and you'll see why we are expecting some sunshine, but look at the forest fire danger rating. A huge difference now. Now, the south coast is still at an extreme level, especially across the Vancouver Island region. Region, so we'll watch that but uh, some improvements certainly in the interior for any new fires but we still get it have to get a handle on what's there uh, in the interior tomorrow we're not expecting any more rain or cloud cover it should be clear tomorrow but at least the temperatures not climbing Wednesday will be similar although Wednesday could be a touch warmer but still expected to be below seasonal so there's your Tuesday everyone sunshine right across the board uh, local smoke in um, Kelowna so and Merritt uh, most areas though not expecting water widespread smoke just local smoke and for the south coast region as I mentioned so two days of sunshine we'll see that in the interior as well but we are expecting some moisture Thursday and into Friday and we'll likely see that in the interior as well with much cooler conditions now tonight's central windows weather window is from Hope Jesse Cole or Jason Cole sending us this one this is Jesse Tasso who was doing a carving in a competition this past weekend and look at this incredible shot of his final carving as you can see there I do not know if he was a But in my opinion, he should be because that's, as you can see, a water bomber over a forest fire there. Always
2: love walking around the streets of Hope and you see some great wooden log carvings there, too. Very cool work. Thanks very much, Christy. A Russian mechanic has turned a Soviet era car into a fire spitting machine. If you missed this, it's called the Dragon Vehicle for obvious reasons. Tanks for the flame throwing headlights are in the trunk. He's got levers in the cabin regulating the flow. The owner says it took him about three days and $380 to both buy the old car and build the flamethrowers as he burns up his competition
11: in some... You know the motivation for that? What? That's a man who has been stuck in traffic for way too long (laughs) in his life. That That would clear things. Yeah. Out of the way. We've all had those little, like you know, evil dreams when we're stuck in traffic. Like, man, I wish I had a monster truck right now and I just start driving oh. over everything. Or a flamethrower. Or a flamethrower. That'll clear yeah. a path for you. Okay. So the uh, BC Lions played Edmonton last week, a team that is now dealing with a COVID outbreak. But so far, the Lions are good.
10: You know, it's probably five people that are unvaccinated, so we're pretty close to having 100% of our team vaccinated.
11: Well, despite that high vaccination rate, the B.C. Lions are being closely monitored for any COVID cases. Hope the news is all good for them. Also tonight, the local artist
2: who could be on the first civilian crew to orbit the moon. That's later. So big news of the vaccine passports came out today. It's starting in a few weeks and the Canucks sounded off about their
11: plan. Well, they, yeah, they, uh, this is very, it's very odd. It's weird being on. I, I can't even remember the last time
2: we were on set together.
11: I think it was sometime in early 2020. Yeah. That's my guess. You know what? I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. (laughs) I'm digging it. Uh, The uh, Vancouver Canucks have said they fully support the government's proof of vaccine program. And if you aren't double vaccinated, you don't get to watch a Canucks game live this season at Rogers Arena or an Abbotsford Canucks game at Abbotsford Centre. Double vaccinations will extend to all Canuck employees and event staff. The Canucks have yet to figure out how to get proof of double vaccinations from people coming to the arenas, but they'll announce that soon. And while we're on the subject of COVID and vaccines, the BC Lions are hoping that 21-16 beating last Thursday was all they got from the Edmonton Elks. The Elks can't play this Thursday against Toronto because nine of their players have tested positive for COVID and the rest of the team is in isolation. That game will have to be rescheduled. As for the Lions, they're supposed to play Ottawa this Saturday, but that'll only happen if they stay COVID clear.
0: It's always concerning when there's COVID outbreaks, and obviously we don't want that to happen to anyone. Um, We were glad to know the news and keeping our players informed that everybody had tested negative up to this point, and so we need to make sure we do our part and being diligent and um, keeping ourselves healthy and available to play.
1: As of right now, every player with the BC Lions is COVID-free. Lions players tested three times a week for covid their tests from the weekend coming back negative. Everyone tested again on Monday, and they'll be tested a couple more times prior to flying out to Ottawa on Friday. But that doesn't mean players aren't worried about what's going on in Edmonton after several Elks players tested positive just days after playing the Lions on Thursday night.
10: I mean, we just basically, uh, you know, mixed germs with them in a four-quarter match. Riley
1: looks to his left. 87% of the players on the Lions roster have received at least one COVID vaccination. The franchise is targeting a fully vaccinated rate of 85%. That numbers the CFL's threshold for players to receive a paycheck in case a game is cancelled because a team can't play due to a COVID outbreak. And that's entirely possible as some players still aren't vaccinated.
12: I got vaccinated before I came. I just thought it would make everything easier coming into Canada for work, so it was a no-brainer for myself.
10: Um, it started a discussion um, for the guys. I know we probably, that I know of, I know it's probably five people that are unvaccinated.
12: We had our receivers, uh, I think like three receivers maybe not be vaccinated. And we did a little break and it was like, get vaccinated. Like,
6: it's jokingly, but at the same time, you know, it's a, it's a real thing that's out there i'm doing everything that i can to keep myself safe right so um you know i've been i've been fully vaccinated since like march or april um you know but that's my own personal choice and of course i'm going to respect everybody's decision um, but at the same time i can i can do what i can to control my own safety and health as best as i can um but you're never going to be able to fully guarantee it right now living in a pandemic
11: all right tony finau and cameron smith had to play a playoff to finish off the northern trust today First tee shot for Cameron Smith. Well, this playoff's pretty much done. That is OB. And Tony Finau, who hadn't won in five years, was pretty easy in this playoff hole. He actually had eight second-place finishes between his last win and this one in the Northern Trust. All right. George Springer has a bad knee, but he looks like he's feeling much better for the Blue Jays. He's not playing tonight, though, against the White Sox. Score 1-0. When, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Brings in Bull Bichette. Now watch what happens after this. Sebi Zavala, the White Sox catcher, gets reamed out by Tony LaRusso because he called for a fastball right down the middle when there were already three balls on Guerrero. Don't give him something to hit. All right. West Ham and Leicester today in Premier League action. If Tony LaRusso was the manager of Leicester City, he'd be yelling also for this. Terrible giveaway. And Saeed Ben-Rama will score to make it 2-0 in the 56th minute. Then Mikhail Antonio becomes the all-time leading scorer for West Ham United with this goal. And he celebrates with his own cardboard cutout. <laughs> and West Ham wins it by the score of 4-1. They're first in the Premier League right now. Uh, Major League Soccer has its All-Star game on Wednesday. That's when the MLS's best will play the best from the Mexican League. It's the first time they've done this kind of matchup. The game will be played in Los Angeles. Now, if you compare... The amount of money the two leagues pay players, Major League Soccer, has the edge. But a study has now shown just how far Major League Soccer is away from paying what the top leagues in the world pay soccer players. Check this out. Now this is total wages. The Premier League is way ahead of Serie A of Italy with $2.38 billion in total wages. And as you can see, all the way down at 11th is the MLS a number of leagues uh, ahead of them include uh, i think Saudi Arabia the Chinese Super League and there you see the top five european leagues and what they pay did so we miss you- an N in bundesliga did we we might have we'll have to go ch- we'll have to go back to the drawing i will check that out but check you know out. you're german
2: <laughs> a little bit yeah just a little all right, all right. All right. thanks a lot squire okay. a local artist over the moon after a phone call that might lead to a trip into orbit that's coming up next We'll end the program with this. A Vancouver-based artist shooting for the stars, hoping at least for a trip around the moon. He's been told he's one of 20 finalists out of more than a million applications.
8: Amadagahi reports. Every single morning ever since uh, I had a, a pretty good chance of going, I have been visualizing what it will be like. And I have already been to the moon countless times. Uh, but I know that once I get there, it's going to be so different.
10: How do you prepare for a potential trip to the moon? Yes. It's a work in progress and a real possibility for a Vancouver artist with an astronomical opportunity. When Elon Musk announced he will send a private spacecraft to the moon by 2023, a Japanese billionaire who also happens to be an art collector bought all eight passenger seats available. From there, Yusaka Mezawa decided to offer the seats to the most artistic humans he could find.
8: Over a million people applied, and uh, I'm not sure how many are left, but it sounds like there are roughly 20 or so.
10: While Mushenkov cannot say much about the process of becoming a finalist, the next time you hear his name, it could be a ticket to the moon in his hand. And yes, like many Vancouverites, some of his out-of-this-world work comes from his small downtown apartment.
8: There are, you know, a bunch of heavy hitters from the art world in, this, in the finalist video. Um, and, man, like, look at me here. <laughs> so I, I feel like a complete underdog, but I'm, like, rocky. I'm just training for it. I'm, like, punching the, the meat in the freezer, and I, I just want get, to get in it. As a young boy,
10: he had dreamed of being an astronaut. But the idea of an artistic astronaut has more or less consumed his life now. Because for him, it is not just about painting the earth, the moon, or whatever else he sees in space. It's the artist's
8: job to explore the universe and the world so the rest of humanity can understand uh, their surroundings better. Ahmad Global News.
2: Well, I hope we can clean that off. but we'll uh, have
11: to pay for it if we yeah, can't.
2: Wishing him uh, and the rest of the applicants luck. What an amazing ride that would be. Uh, okay, last word on weather before we go, Christy.
13: Sure. So two dry days on the way for most of the province, really, but especially across southern BC, although we won't see, you know, really hot temperatures. We're still talking about below seasonal.
2: All right. Thanks very much. And thank you for watching, everyone. We'll see you back here tomorrow.